man. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being able to worship you. Thank you for being able to have this beautiful place, Lord. And we give you praise and honor. We're thankful for this. We are so grateful for what you do, Lord. And yes, we need you, Lord. And we commit this service to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So keep standing up and share some affection with somebody next to you generously. This is Passion Week. Amen. 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 Um, how you doing? Hey. Well, good evening as you peruse back to your seat. Got a lot of ground to cover. Want to encourage you, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a donkey. I mean, Donnie. God uses donkeys, and I'll attest to it. And you can't spell donkey without spelling Don, so I'll attest to that. That's, a, that's funny. That's when we do that thing. Ready? Here we go. This is what we're going to do tonight. Ready? This is, this is, our, this is our catchphrase. Ready? And go. Oh, it's not working. Bummer. It will be funny later, though. You'll get it. Before we get serious, though, Pastor Brad asked me this. For those of you who are available tomorrow, could you make an announcement? He says, I need help tomorrow. Beginning about 10.30 with some crafty work type work for the new stage set. We hit a snag today and I need a couple of three pairs of hands to catch up. I'd appreciate that, it, that if you could make that announcement. Anyone interested, please just show up with a willing heart and I will buy you lunch. No, it doesn't say that, but I'm telling he will. At <laughs> 10.30. 10.30 manana, Pastor Brad needs some help. Amen? So that's done. So now I can turn this off. So if it goes off, I won't... Uh, have any issues. So we're going to have a Bible study tonight. How excited are you for Easter coming up, right? Praise the Lord. This is the greatest week we have in Christendom, guys. This week is our victory week. This week, if you will, is the summation of, of the reason why our, our hero and our Savior was born. You know, going to re Israel, seeing the Via del Rosa, the, the actual path that Christ walked. Oh, I'm gonna, this, is a, this is a cheap ploy, but I'm going to encourage you. Boy, if you can get to Israel this year, I'm going to encourage you to go. It will change your life biblically, fundamentally, and understanding things that are actually there. Uh, we want you to come. We, we do. We'll make room. Is that me or is that somebody else? It's probably me. Okay, you guys got it worked out. Long and short, this is, this is a beautiful week, and it really, really, really just culminates in Israel, and I want to encourage you with that. So tonight's Bible study, we're going to, any of you guys, I'm, an, I'm a men's, uh, men's guy, so for ladies, I want to engage you, so how many of you ladies watch Sports Center with your husband? Oh, Lord, oh, praise the Lord. So women, I'm going to encourage you with something. Your wife, husband doesn't watch Sports Center? Okay, it's okay. But men, that goes back to the other thing. You know, guys, I'm not telling you to watch ice skating. That's not what I'm saying. But engage in some things to be both ways. I'll tell you what, my wife has been a tremendous advocate of sports, and she knows this sound. Are you ready, Edna? Do it. Here we go. Sports Center, huh? We're going to have that coming up tonight, because tonight we're going to be doing a, there's a show on, on Sports Center called uh, 30 for 30 on ESPN. It talks about documentaries, some great stories and histories behind, behind sports, and I'm an ex-jock. I think I'm still a jock, but I'm not. Uh, ran the today, and it was awful. And I got done, and my body's yelling at me, why are you doing this? Because, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, you know, not healthy. So I ran, and it hurt, but it was awesome. 
and it didn't hurt more, so we started working out more, but it's all good. Being an ex-jock, though, I love Sports Center. I love those kinds of things. So we're going to tie that in. There's a show called 30 for 30, and we're going to tie that in with Peter. How many of you guys have ever heard of Uncle Pete? Pete, huh? Pete the fisherman, Pete. We're going we're gonna to do a, uh, a message, and it's going to revolve around him. The title of this message, if you're taking notes, is called The Call to Complete. The Call to Complete. The Call to Complete. Kind of apropos, if you will, for this time of this, year, this week, right? Because the completion, the last words of our Savior, anybody know? I'll say it. To tell us die. It is finished. Amen? That happened this week, guys. And this is what happened through everything that we're going to deal with. Is, is a short, if you will, condensed version to get to the end. But it's a beautiful thing to look at in the life of Peter. Many things have been said about story, Peter. There are many stories. There's a lot of things we're going to discuss. The beginning and the ending is where we're going to focus but I think it's a beautiful thing to realize what God has done and what he's doing. Amen? I think it's a good point to remember the dash that we have in the middle, the middle stuff of our lives, right? The year you were born, and some of us are obviously here, so we're still exchanging air. But some of us are a little closer with our gray hair on the top to the end, don't you think? Don't you want to finish well? Come on, amen? Don't you want to finish well? You do want that's right. You want to finish well, and I'm here to encourage you with it. Because we're going to look at a man's life, a man's life, who, well, for the better sake of an argument, we're going to point out some stories where you're like, well, dude, you're not finishing well. But he did, because it was part of his work to show us what we can look forward to and how to act. Amen? The beginning of, you know, so if you would, turn in your Bibles now to, to Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start, we're going to launch from Matthew 4, 14 and 15, and there's going to be verses on the, on the, on the monitor. But we're going to start there, but I'm going to read another verse but let's just go back and recap this, and I'll give you a quick summation of the earlier verses that are covered in Matthew chapter 4, if you will. Matthew chapter 4 in detail says this. It says the beginning of the chapter tells about Jesus being led in the Spirit for 40 days and 40 nights, fasting, driven in the Spirit, and fasting, and then he gets to meet old Lucifer, Beelzebub, the devil, the adversary of our souls, the liar, the treacherous. You know, we can keep going. Lord of the flies. Turn it off? Yep. Are we good? Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two. Can you hear me? Thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor Brett. So now I'm using the holy one. This is the one he uses. <laughs> Somebody's getting saved. Who's getting saved? I'm... Thank you, brother. Long and short, the, the, the chapter starts by King Jesus being tempted 40 days and 40 nights. Meets the devil. Starts ministry. You know, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of stuff. So, you know, starting ministry is another Bible study for another time, men and women. But when you come to this, you know, there was... Something that goes with prayer and fasting when you start ministry. I, I highly encourage you to think about that before you start doing anything for the Lord, prayer and fasting. It's not going to hurt you. If there's a big decision in your life, hey, pray and fast. And nothing happened more than this than to our Lord. He gave us that example. As we go on, you know, he, he went down and he gets done with that, deals with the, the adversary, and then he gets down and he uh, hears that his, his good friend and his cousin Jay the B, John the Baptist, has been arrested. As soon as he gets down, boom, another thing. And he knows he's going to donate his head. 
He knows he's going to lose his head. He knows this is all because it's part of what's going on. And he's like, wow. So I got all this bad stuff happening right now. But what does he do? What does he, he goes out and he starts preaching a similar message that John, John the Baptist preaches. And he says, preaching this, and, and I'm going to cover this in Mark chapter 1, 14 to 15. And John, he says this, after John had been taken in custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel, preaching straight out repentance, preaching immediately, preaching. Not what was mean, not wondering, well, you know, I can't do anything. No, he immediately does it. That's something that really ministered to me about our Lord. He's about people. He's about winning souls. You know, maybe this week you're not, you're like, well, you know that card that we're told to get? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. No, you do know. Somebody needs to come to church this weekend. If you're holding on to one, repent now. You're blessed. And give it out. We want people to come this weekend. And if you come this weekend, come Saturday or come at 7. Don't come at 9 or 11. We need those seats for people who are not saved. I'm telling you and encouraging you, please, guys. We want people to come that aren't a part of this. We want the community to rise up and come to the church, to, to this hospital. Amen? amen. No, amen? amen? All right, let's, because it's really, that's the heart. And next weekend's message, oh, look out. Pastor Brett wasn't playing. The message that's going to be after Easter is going to be better. Because we're going places that we want you all to come with us on. God has really spoken to us in leadership of the church by our, our shepherd. And we're excited. I'm fired up. I'm in this fired up in 20 years of Christianity. I'm being serious. God's got some amazing stuff going on. So as we continue on this path, let's go to Matthew now. Matthew chapter 4. So turn there in your, in your Bible to 4 and 18. And he says, Walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers... Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net to the sea, for they were fishermen. Well, you know, that's kind of, that explains itself correct. We kind of figured that they were fishermen. We see Jesus walking around the sea, though, and, with, and sees Peter and Andrew. Most likely they were shore fishing. Most likely they were casting a net off the boat. The fish right there at that time or in the morning were probably shallow, coming in to eat, and they were off the boat doing their, trying to catch fish. That's what they were doing. But he drops the next verse on him, drop, drops the bomb on you, if you will. And he says this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I think, yes, it's on there. Uh, Luke 5 and 10 through 11, and I'll have the verses on the wall, gives a little bit more description. He says, and so also James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon and Jesus said to Simon, do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. So this is where we meet the Zebedee Fishing Company. This is what we call that, Peter and all the guys. The Zebedee, that's funny. That didn't go over well. The Zebedee Fishing. You'll see later. This is where they met. This is where they started up. They, but here's the thing. They obviously heard Jesus speaking directly in their hearts. They heard the gospel being preached in a way from the shore as Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee in a way that's like, who is this dude talking what is going on? They heard it in a way that had never been proclaimed. They heard it in a way that wasn't rabbi-like. They heard it in a way that wasn't normal. It was cutting right to the core of their heart. And has not the Word of God done that to you lately? Amen? We need that to happen to us. We need to cut it, cut it to our core. But they heard it being preached, and they said, they said, whoa. But look at what he says in the beginning. And when he looks back at the verse, he says, they heard, they, they heard their need for repentance, and he rattles their cages, and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Who said anything about being afraid? Do I look afraid? 
Did you catch that right there? It says that Luke 5 and 10. Do not fear. Why am I scared? Well, it goes like this. When you don't have a right dealing with God and understanding of grace and the fear of the Lord of being the beginning of wisdom and understanding how much God loves you and you're separated from this and this idiom that you had, this thought of religiosity, this culture, if you will, of, of understanding religion and who God was, and you hear the truth, you're like, oh man, I am way off. I should be scared. Yeah, you should, but it was good. He said he dealt with that right away from the beginning. And he deals with that, my brothers and sisters, now. Never forget how many times in the Bible it says, take courage. And that's not just a man thing. That's a, that's a man and woman thing. Do, do, not be, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Take courage. Have I not told you? And out of his words, his first words to the Zebedee Fishing Company, do not be afraid. And that should comfort you now because many of us in our lives are going to be scared, right? Many of us are going to get those two o'clock in the morning calls when our kids aren't doing well. Some of us are going to go to the doctor and they say that C word, right? Some of us are going to have those things in our life where a dad or a mom is no longer here, a car accident happens. There are going to be opportunities when this will make itself real. And it's the first words that Christ says, and I'm saying them to you, do not be afraid. Amen? Amen. They never heard the real truth. The gospel, guys, leads us from being scared to having faith and patience to understand that God is doing to write our story. Jesus says in lieu of being afraid he says this now you're going to catch men i have a different thing for you to catch your livelihood and what you've been trained to do for your short life is now going to change you know maybe you had something going on when you started following jesus maybe maybe it was something but something has changed right something has some i know my life everything changed when i started following jesus i mean that's another bible study to give you my testimony but night and day my world was flipped rocked sideways toppled when I started saying, okay, God, I give it to you. And that's a good thing, because Jesus is interest, interested in doing change. He doesn't want to keep it the same. And if you think you signed up for an easy Christianity, hey, it's not. And some of the most awful pain will be from our brothers and sisters. And that's not something we want to encourage, but it, won't, it will be. It's okay. We need to love through it, guys. We need to be encouraged, in it, and more importantly, believing that God knows what he's doing. Does God know what he's doing? Well, that wasn't very encouraging. Does God know what he's doing? Amen, amen. <laughs> so these guys, when they get, to, get told this statement, they're probably 22 to 25. I'm not, no, Peter probably is. The other guys are much younger. These guys aren't old men at all. So they got this vocation, they got these boats, they got this company going. They're like, yeah, so we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And by the time we're 50, hey, we're, we're retiring, huh? Like you guys, huh? Some of you. We're retiring. No, there ain't no retirement in the Bible, guys. I'm sorry, some of you guys need to repent. There's no retiring in the Bible. We need help. We need help all the time. Children's ministry needs lots of servants. And some of you are beautiful grandmas and grandpas. Peter was going down this path, though, and he saw this whole thing. And he's saying, you know, maybe I'm drawing this out. I'm trying conjecture, but maybe this is the plan. But the venture started by hearing the truth of the gospel, believing what Jesus said by faith and getting in your boat or getting whatever God has given you as a footstool for, onto the shore of his salvation and starting the calling to ministry. So you guys see your calling, correct? You guys see your calling. If you don't know it, hey, we can pray for it. Everybody, everyone in this room has a spiritual gift. Every one of them. God does not give his kids, he, does, he gives us all gifts. 
Everyone in this room, if you're sanctified and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift. We want to use it because it wasn't given to you for you. It was given to you for us, for the equipping and the building of the church, for the work of the ministry. Amen? This is not about addition. This is about multiplication. This is not about addition. It's about multiplication. Amen? So as we continue down this path, let's not talk, let's not talk a little bit more about remembering again that this week happened, this week. So we're going to do a couple more snapshots of Peter's life. But Peter had his greatest failure this week, his greatest failure. Some would say it. I don't see it that way anymore after doing this study. Jesus didn't see it that way either, my brothers and sisters. And I'm going to paint that picture for you. Jesus didn't see it that way at all. So let's do another little recap, if you will. A 30 for 30 on Peter. Are you ready, Edna? Yeah, Sports Center highlights. Here we go. Highlight number one, Matthew 14, 28, if you will. Matthew 14, 28. Peter said to him, Lord, walking on water, huh? How many like that story, walking on water? Come on now, walking on water. Really? How many of you have ever been in the ocean? I mean, really in the ocean. Not some of you guys think you know me. I mean, I'm talking surf. 10, 12 feet. Riptides. Okay, me and my brother and ML probably only all of you guys. The rest of you guys are lying. I'm joking. <laughs> Maybe the Hawaiian in the back. Yeah, I got it. All right. I've been in some 15-foot swells and got, got washed and thought I was going to die a couple times. I mean, I can attest to you, the ocean has no respect for you when it's that big. It will make you look like a little piece of sand. So I have tremendous respect for the ocean when it's big. I say, God, that looks nice. I'm not going out there anymore. Them days are long gone, long gone. But Peter, this story really rocks my, my world because it talks about something that to me is untamable. And he says this. So I'm going to do 28 and 29. He says this, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he says, and he said in verse 29, Come. And when Peter had come down on the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus, right? This is, of course, though, th th this story doesn't happen without some more faith being exercised. What do you mean, Donnie? I'm going to tell you. This story doesn't happen until the feeding of the 5,000, where Peter got to see 5,000 men, probably 15,000 people fed with five loaves and two fish, right? Pete was in the situation of G Jesus having faith. Gee, he just saw this unbelievable miracle. Literally, he just saw it happen. This is how the time frame works. Jesus did a miracle and everyone was satisfied. He said, dude, I'm loving Jesus. This Jesus is, did you just see what just, I mean, can you think about it? You saw 15,000 people fed on seven items. Doesn't that rock your world? We talk about it in our Christian books. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. Jesus did. Dude, this is radical. Nobody gets fed with seven pieces of seven things. 15,000 people. This is mind-numbing. We cook, we cook for 120 guys. It takes four hours to do it, and it's a lot of hard work. Jesus did this whole thing and fed 15,000 people with seven things. I'm not trying to tell you that it's, it's a big deal to me. Like, this is radical stuff. If you haven't gotten this concept, Jesus is into doing radical things. This is radical, and Peter saw the whole thing firsthand. He's like, man, I love this Jesus. This is unbelievable. I'm like, yeah, he's, he's so into it. So he tells them, though, as soon as this is over, go to the other side, guys. Go to the other side. So they think, Jesus is telling them to go to their side. We're going to the other side. But then a nasty storm comes up, right? And the storm's throwing the boat right and left, beating these fishermen up. Fishermen. Well, fishermen know the sea, right? 
Some of them are crying. Oh, we're going to die. Jesus, you know, all this stuff goes on. You know the story. But he goes out and he just, he just, he tells them to go. Then they see in the storm, they look out and they see Jesus. Or they see a ghost first, right? And they see Jesus and he says, wait a minute. What is that? Peter watched a bunch of miracles happen. And Peter says, with great faith as he does, again, awesome. After just seeing all them people fed, another part of Peter in a miracle. And he says, is that you, Lord? Is that you? And all he had to say was say, yeah, come. And he goes on. This is, this is, this is the you know, defying of surface tension. Surface tension being the, 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 the amount of tension that water has. You ever see bugs float on the water, right? Sometimes you do. Well, we can't do that. Bugs can. <laughs> and he literally walks right on the water. To Jesus in the storm and the waves, right? And he takes his eyes off him and then, ah, Peter goes down the water. You know, picture of the waves, the world, all that stuff, right? You've heard the analogies, great philosophers of men and taught you all this stuff. I'm just saying, dude, what has Peter got? What does he mean? You've got to stop for a minute. What business does Peter have asking that question? That's what I think. Well, you got to stop and unpack this. What do you think? Come to, I'm going to come right now. But Peter processed. Do you think Peter even processed this at all? I'm going to walk on water, Lord. Call me out. He doesn't think about this. This is radical stuff. Who thinks to walk on water? Amen in this room? Because I always tell guys about that, about predestination, the sovereignty of God, and all that stuff. If any of you got it all figured out, then walk on water. And if you don't, we want all men to be saved. Amen? No, we want all men to be saved. Amen? Because that's what it's about. It's not about what we think we know or who's going to get saved. It's about the king and his, his kingdom and getting people saved. Amen? So we need to walk out in faith and let him do the work. We don't know who's getting saved. Only Jesus. Amen? So he walks out on the water. Nobody processes that. I do because I'm twisted. But what's he thinking? What's he doing? Yeah, I'm going to walk out there, Lord. Here we go. You think about how much love and trust he had in Jesus. That's what you've got to really think about. How much love and trust he had in the King of Kings. That should encourage you, huh? That should rock. That should build your faith up. Because these are things that people don't, I think about this stuff when I'm reading, I'm like, wow. Because this is meat and potato stuff, man. This Peter guy got it. When he got it, he got it like a lion. He got it like unbelievable. And that's what encourages me, my brothers and sisters, is that when he got it, he got it. And when he falls, Pastor Brett said this before, but this is Jesus' heart. He doesn't go, oh, Peter, yep, I knew you'd fall. Come on, dummy. When he picks him up, he doesn't say that. He just picks his hand out. Did he even need to get his hand up? That's the thing I think about, too. He said, Pete, Pete, you know. Oh, Pete, go. Because he tells the wind and the sea after then another story to be still, be, be quiet like a dog. Like, hey, shh, and it does. So, I mean, for Jesus, this is all, no, 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 this is not a big deal. But he gets and he picks him up. So that's one of the stories, right? Ready? Come on, Edna. There we go. Peter, but immediately Jesus said to them, and so now go to Mar Mar Matthew 14, 27, because this is the story that tells about this story. He says, immediately Jesus spoke to them about this. But what did Jesus say before he told Peter to come to the water? What did he say? Take courage. Take courage. Don't be afraid. 
you got to get this, my brothers and sisters. He starts the ministry rocking this way, and he tells Pete to do a miracle this way, and he tells you and me to do things this way. Don't be afraid. Take courage, because what happens with this? We're a bunch of scaredy cats. It's okay. It hasn't changed. It's the way it is. But that's what he says. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Take courage. Don't be afraid. It's me. Amen. Think about how cool, how unbelievably awesome Jesus is in that whole thing. He tells in this. So Peter takes that, you know, does that. We went through the account, but I think about that, and none of that happens until Peter hears those words. And none of the things, and as you walk in this week of Passion Week, understanding that you're going to give that card out to somebody you don't know, right? Amen. Take courage, right? Some of you are like, I don't want to give them a card. They might get mad. Okay, praise the Lord. Amen. They might get mad. Okay. You know, that's something in our job that we have that God has blessed us with. I hear no 90% of the time. Praise God. Whenever I hear negativity, even when we're in meetings, praise the Lord. Who, you know, if, how many people think about this? Not everybody got saved that Jesus preached to. Not everybody gets saved that Pastor Brett opens his mouth to. Not everybody gets saved. It's okay. God wants you to be used, to be available. No is a great answer because eventually you're going to say yes to the King of Kings because you will say yes when you take your last breath here and you will stand in front of him. But we want to present it so they can say yes now. Amen? We got to love our community like that. It's radically, guys, different than what we're doing now, but in a way that is genuine and true so they can see the need that they have, hopefully, that we're expressing by our lives. Amen? Passion, love, generosity, truth, grace, peace. Amen? And that's what Peter got when he said, when he heard the words, take courage. Yeah, that's my, that's my, that's my king. That's my savior. I'm walking. That whole story rocks the world. Another one. Okay, here we go. Another account we talk about Jesus being transfigured. You remember that story? Being transfigured. We're going to go to Luke 9, 35 and 36. I'm going to tell you the story, though. Another not yet. We will do that soon. That's at the end of that. And I love it. Fires me up when there's engagement. It's so sweet. Another account we talk about Jesus being transfigured, changed as he sees Moses and Elijah. Hello, heroes of faith. So it's a little baseball, little baseball tie-in. The Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth of Jewish faith, if you will. Big league dreams. I'm not comparing the Bible to baseball, okay, ladies, man, guys, I'm not trying to be a heretic. Just making Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth, they were big deals back in the day. So it's one of those things. For me, it's just like, well, that would be something, you know, to see these guys. You know, obviously the thing that we've discussed before, how did Peter know it was? Cameras hadn't been invented. How does Peter know that's Moses and Elijah? I mean, how does he know? And why doesn't Peter ask, how do I know this? That's the real question, right? Because he knows it, he says it, but how does he know that he knows it and says it? Because that's what I think. How does he know it and say it? He doesn't know and say it. It just comes out of his mouth because God told him, and it is, and it's it's Moses and Elijah. But there's no way he would have known. How would he have known? How? They didn't have a stenograph. They didn't carry it around with a picture. Look, it was my wallet. Mo and Al right there. No, it ain't Mo and Al right there. Nobody's carrying that around. He doesn't know. God told him, spoke inerrantly through him. Power of the Holy Spirit falls upon him, sees this whole thing going, wow. That's Mo and El right there. Moses and Elijah. He sees them, right? And he's like, whoa, this is amazing. Holy buckets, this is awesome. Luke later on tells us, though, that he was just waking up from being sleepy. So he's probably like, am I dreaming? I'm awake. Wait a minute. What's going on? This is really happening. There's Moses. There's Elijah. 
And then he gets Peter, Peter disease, as we call it, right? Foot and mouth disease. Oh, this is good, Lord. Lord, this is good. Yeah, let's build three tabernacles, Lord. Let's get it going. Let's stay here. Let's camp. Who cares about the other nine guys down there? You got the holy three on the top of the hill. Let's hang out up here with you and the other three guys up there. Let's hang out with you. Oh, this is awesome, Lord. Peter's telling him that, right? But he says, out of the, out of the voice of the sky in Luke 9.35, it says this. The father speaks up and lays the truth right to Pete. And he says, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and reported to no one in those days of any of the things that they've seen. So he's telling him, Peter, listen to my son. A holy rebuke from God the Father. Could you imagine being holy rebuked by God the Father, hearing a voice like that? Could you imagine? Woo, I don't want to be that. No, Lord, keep me in your will. Please, Lord Jesus, I don't want to get outside of your will. I do not want to hear it. Donnie, Donnie, what are you doing? Don't do that. No, I don't want to hear that, Lord, I'm sorry. I am so messed up. I'm so, so, so Jesus, I try to be so... And Susan will attest to this. I, I want to walk such a straight and narrow path that sometimes I, I mean, commercials, TV, I mean, I just, right or left. I mean, things on people, everything, just, if I don't have to have it in my grid, I don't want it. I don't want it, because I don't want to have to hear God say, Donnie, is this glorifying my son? This talk doesn't talk to me like that, but I think that way in my head. He always, he, he always says to me, hey, hey, Donnie, I love you, man. Why are you doing that? I'm like, yeah, Lord, I'm sorry. That's how he talks to me. But I, I think about that and I process it that way. I'm like, ugh. So then immediately, right, Moses and Elijah are gone, beam back to wherever they're gone. God says, boom, they're gone. More faith for Peter to see how great Jesus is, right? Edna, here we go. Dun, dun, dun. Edna. That's it. Number three. His marriage feast at the wedding of Cana saw the Lord turn water to wine, saw people... Healed, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. For those of you who were Catholic, Peter was married at one time. You were Catholic. Yes, he was married. And, he, and uh, that's a huge stumbling block for them, but that's an encouragement. So the Lord, the, Lord is, words, the Lord of the Word is true. How about this fishing story? Peter had some faith, right? This, this is the one that, uh, this fishing, this, this, is the, this, is, this is the one that really rocks my grid. This, this one is, to me, is so, it would be like one of you people trying to tell him, teach me how to sail. And I mean that in love. You have never sold before anything in your life. And one of you guys come up, yeah, Donnie, I'm going to teach you how to sell. Not knowing that I've had 20 years experience. I've read every book probably known to man on how to do this stuff as a carnal person and had so much money poured into my brain and communication and all that stuff. I'm like, okay, teach me how to sell. That's what it would be like. Or somebody, or me telling a doctor, me telling a heart surgeon, oh, I'm going to teach you how to do that today. Is that going to happen? Of course it's not going to happen. This is what's happening in this story right here. In, in my opinion, he says, in Matthew chapter 17, verses 24, he says this. Peter had some faith. He said this in Matthew 17, 24. If you would, it'll be on the board. So when they came to, when, when they came to Capernaum, those who collected the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the temple, pay the two drachma tax? And he said, yes. Peter's like, Okay, yeah, he does, because he's God and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and everything's working out right now, and he's not going to be a liar, so if we have to do it, I guess we're going to do it. Peter doesn't even understand the question. He just says, yes, good for you, Pete. I appreciate your heart, because he's right in doing this. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, what do you think, Simon? 
From where do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax? From their sons or from strangers? Now, it doesn't say anything right there, but he said, upon him saying this, from strangers, Jesus said to him. Consequently, these sons are exempt. But I love the dialogue here because it's assumed, but he doesn't say, Lord, guess what happened? They want us to pay the tax. No, God already knows, and he addresses it when he walks in. I know that we can draw conjecture and potentially think that they had the dialogue before, but it doesn't say that. He walks into the room, and, and, and the Lord starts laying it on him. So who do you think this is going on? Why do you think this is going on? He knows what happens outside. Jesus knows everything, guys, everything, and he knows what's going on. So he says in 26, upon this saying, from strangers, and Jesus said to him, consequently, the sons are exempt, but, verse 27, lest we give them offense, go to the sea, and throw a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you'll find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for you and me. Now, this is, I'm going to, this is hilarious to me, but let's, before we go there, we got to make sure that Jesus is who he says he is, and he's the fulfiller of the law. Because in Exodus 30 and 13, Exodus 30 and 13 says this, this is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Half for Pete, half for Jesus. He's fulfilling the Old Testament. As, as, as shekel is 20 gerahs, the half shekel shall be given as an offering to God. Everyone included, those who are numbered from 20 years old and above, shall give an offering to the Lord. So we know Peter's 20 or older from this statement. God doesn't lie. That's what it says. But God knows the law. Okay, God says and sees this. God says, I know all the answers, and I'm going to do this for you. So from this passage, we know, we know that this is going on. There's a tax. So Peter, Peter could have said this to the Lord. This is, this is the one time that Peter, I think, and me being Peter, obviously, thinking not in all that in a bag of chips, he could have said, Lord, I got this, man. I'm a fisherman. Really? You're going to tell me how to fish now? I mean, I know that you, you, you've done these miracles and, and all this stuff, but... Lord, I, throw me a bone. I mean, give me some credit in my own little wisdom, right? I am a fisherman. I am. I am. But think about how, how cataclysmically messed up this would have been to Peter. The Lord tells the Peter to do a radical thing. Something that Peter's ears, I think, would maybe have said, well, I don't know. Something crazy kind of. This is a kind of crazy thought. Has God told you to do anything crazy in your life lately in your, and in your ministry? Hmm. Are you believing crazy things in your life and in your ministry that God wants to tell you? Maybe you've been doing things in your life the same way for a long time, and God said, you can keep going that way. You can keep on going. I know he's spoken that to me last summer. You can keep on going being that hard-headed knucklehead you want to be, but I want to do work. Are you willing to be broken? And that's the truth of all this stuff when it comes to his church, his people, his work. It's all for his glory. That's where Peter had to get the thing. He just said, I am going to submit to the Lord. I am going to understand the grace that has been given to me, and I'm going to do what the Lord says. So he goes out. So the Lord says, so he says, Lord, you want me to go out with a pole with no bait, no salmon eggs, no trout worms, no nothing, right? No, no, nothing. Just a hook, just a shiny hook, and take the fish that comes up. You're going to hook it. And inside the, inside the fish's mouth, there will be a coin. Now, let's address this. So the Lord knows that potentially this fish likes shiny things, right? It's got a hook. It's got a coin in its mouth, right? So the coin's shiny, right? So you, does me just thinks about these things or just, you know, 
I'm thinking, so the fish likes the shiny things. That's what I'm thinking, to process, to make this um, uh, rational. It's not a rational story because this is the reality. How does Jesus, who's never seen the fish, know that the fish is there that's going to have the coin that's going to go after the shiny things? How does he know that? That's right. He knows everything. That's where we're going with this. Amen, Louis. There's hope for you, brother. I love it. I'm encouraged by that word. No, it's the truth, but it's, 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 this is the thing. The things that are shiny, the things that are whatever, God will use all that stuff, but he knew that they was there. So the thoughts were raging through my mind. Man, this is faith, Peter. Peter has faith. Peter did it. Peter went and paid the shekel. I mean, I, this is me. I'm catching the fish with the shekel in his mouth, and God told me and prophesied to me straight out. I'm like, wow, yeah, this guy is rocking my world. Where am I going to go? And this is it. This is, this is it. This is how it should be for us, right? It should be this radical for us, reading these stories that transfer into our lives. This is how radical it is because this is the deal as we go down this path. Peter would, would, would be... Um, you know, to me at this time, a superhero of faith. This dude's shown exemplary faith. He walks on water, gets a coin out of a fish by obedience, does all these other things. I mean, just seeing all this stuff. But during this week, guys, during this week, he denies his friend. And he was told that it was going to happen, right? He said, and he said this. This is, this is sobering, but that happening potentially would, would happen tomorrow. The illegal search and seizure of Jesus, the blatant breaking of all Jewish and Roman law. Peter knowing that he heard from Jesus that uh, he, would, he would deny him. Jesus told him it was going to happen. You know, he says, no, Lord. And I think Peter, at the end of this week, and when, the, when this gets down, he's hurt, man. He's sad. He's broken. And he does what most of us do in our flesh. He gets scared. Fear grips him. If you would start moving your Bible to John 21. Peter goes back to the natural man. The man that we left. Remember the title of this message is called to complete. Peter goes back to the natural man. Peter goes back to a place where he was comforted because that's what he knew. Peter goes back to the place where he found peace in doing his job. But know this, my brothers and sisters, Peter was not spirit-filled yet. So we can look at the situation and we could say, you know, that's Pete. Of course, you know, we make fun of him. We make fun of him and in a way that's like, well, you know, he wasn't spirit-filled. And, and I think of that, but that's what he would say to us, you know. That was my excuse. I'm not spirit-filled. What is ours? Ooh. Got quiet. That's the truth, though. What is our excuse? We don't have one. We don't have one. If you're still walking around saying things like you used to, ooh, if you're still the same person that hasn't grown, it's a strong word, but it's true. God's given us the ministry of reconciliation, and that ministry is to reach all people in all things. And if we're saying no to something that we're not allowing God to change in our life, we're saying no to God, Amen. I mean that in love. That's not meant to beat you, up, beat you up, but it's meant to share with you a truth because these truths that Peter is giving us are truths that I think we can apply. So let's go to John 20, 1 and 1. So the completion of the, of the restoration of Peter. Go to, so it goes in 21 and 1 of John. He says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee, and in, the way he and in this way he showed himself, meaning back to where Jesus showed himself in the beginning when he called them. Don't miss this church. This is where he called them. Don't miss this church. 
hear me. Don't miss this. This is where he called the men. Peter went back. This is the call to complete. This is the week that it all became complete for us. Let's let God start thinking about things in your own lives. Where are you? Simon Peter in verse 2, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee. The sons of Zebedee and the two others of the disciples were together. Looks like a safe place. I'm with my boys. Jesus is back gone. All right, let's fire back up the Zebedee fishing company. That's what they're going to do. We'll go back to where we were. Verse 3, Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you. They all went out and they got in the boat and they caught nothing. Well, duh. I mean, you're not supposed to be a fisherman no more. God said you weren't. And we could go back to the old axiom and Adam. Well, they hadn't fished in a while. They don't know the current. They don't know the water temp. They don't know all this stuff, you know. <laughs> you're not called to do that anymore. Whether you think so or not, what you were delivered from before you were a Christian is not part of your life, amen? If you're doing it, repent. If you, and this is, this is broad spectrum stuff for every man and woman in this room. God has delivered you from that. You're not called into that bondage because that's what you're allowing it to do is bondage in your life. Does that make sense? You're called out of that. And that's what this job is. They're, called, they're going back to where they were. They got to work, right? God said, no, you're going to be fishers of men. And it goes on. It goes on. And he says, for, verse 4, but when, they came, when the morning had come, now Jesus stood there on the shore. The disciples did not know it was Jesus. So they see somebody standing on the shore. They didn't know it was. Verse 5, Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. Well, who's calling these guys children? I mean, it's kind of a quirky statement, isn't it? Only one person called them children, child, kids. And that's, know this, guys. There are no grandparents. There are no mom and dads in heaven. Only kids. Amen? Only children. God says we're to have faith like a child. There's a big correlation. Another plug for children's ministry. We need help. <laughs> Jesus knows everything. And the time to show my loving miracle hand is right now. Right now. I know you're not supposed to be fishing, guys. But I'm going to help you see that right now. And he says to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, verse 6, and you will find some. So they cast and they were not able to draw it up because of the multitude of fish. Now, here we go. Another sports highlight for Peter right now. Dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun. It didn't happen. <laughs> there, the suspense is killing me. <laughs> Peter's probably dealing with massive depression, guys. Massive depression. He's probably like going, oh my gosh. I need to go fishing. Fishing's what I don't. Fishing's what I'm doing. You know, I betrayed the Lord. Y'all know it. I got to get this. I got to get Gordon. I got to do something, you know, because everything we thought is gone. He's gone. He's not coming back. It's gone. Everything's gone. Let's, let's go to work. Because, you know, we can bury ourselves in our work, right? Some of us men can in this room dealing with our problems too. I know you do that, men. Please repent. I used to do that. That's not who we are. Deal with our problems. And Jesus was, you know, he betrayed him, probably really, really sad, right? You know, you can sense it. I can sense it if you can't. Verse 7, therefore the disciple that whom Jesus said, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put out his outer garment, for he would move it, <laughs> and he plunged in the sea. Peter's not going, Lord! He doesn't say, Lord, this is what I've done. Lord, is it you? Let me walk on the water. No, he doesn't. He starts swimming. He says, I'm not, and I'm thinking like I'm, I'm, putting myself on Peter's shoes, I'm not letting him get out of my sight. The last time I had a personal interaction, interaction with King Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, I blew it. 
Pete is going to get him some Jesus, and he's swimming to the shore. I'm going, man. I'm, uh, what's that guy? Michael Phelps now. He's, he's getting after it. I am going to get me some Jesus. That's what he's saying. I, you are not getting away because I train wrecked this the last time I saw you, and I see you now, and we're going to make this right because I need some of you. Amen? Don't you need some Jesus? Woo, Lord, help us. But the other disciple, verse 8, came in the boat for a little while, and they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish on it. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged a net to the land full of large fish, 153 of them, matter of fact. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to him, come and eat breakfast. Let's eat, man. Let's fellowship. Let's hang out. Yet none of the one of the disciples dared ask him who you are, knowing that was the Lord. Jesus already had fish up there. See that? Cooking? He had fish already cooking. But you know what he says, Pete? Can I have some of yours? Can I have some of yours too? How gracious is our Lord. He wants to use us in reaching souls. Amen? And that's what he's saying to him right there. Extending the hand of fellowship. I love you, sweet Peter. Look at you swimming. Golly, you're all wet. I love you. Hey, give me some of your fish. Let's do this together. Amen, huh? This is how Jesus rolls. He's interested in using you no matter what you do or how you do it. Amen? Keep going down. He says this. This is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to them. And I'm going to let the narrative describe itself. I'm not going to go down the Greek words because that's a whole Bible study and I could do that for five years. But I'm going to let the word speak for itself. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. 16. He said to them going a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, tend my sheep. And he said this the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. I'm not, grieved isn't the word. The word is like, oh, man, I blew it. You know, I'm, I, I, I don't know what else to say. How many of you ever gotten to that point where you don't have words and you're just like broken and sad? You're like, I mean, us men do it all the time to our wives. Sorry, ladies. There's enough, sorry is just, just a puny word when I, when I mess up with Susan. I'm like, Susan, I know that word isn't strong enough to, to, to get, disclose the amount of remorse I have for the act I just committed in treason against you. But I'm sorry, and I love you. Please forgive me. We need to learn that. Men, we need to lead in reconciliation. Amen? Men, we need to lead in reconciliation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times he reassured Peter. Three times he denied Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. This is the third time, the third day that he came, the third, the third appearance that he had, and he does it three times. Jesus, look at this, guys, never deals with his denial. Pete, you're such a bad sinner, Christian. I can't believe I told you you were going to do this. I straight out told you, I forewarned you, and you still do it. Never once deals with his denial. Do you see that? That's how our Jesus rolls. If you're under the guilt and condemnation of, of, a, of a God who, who you think is, that ain't the Jesus I know. And the Jesus of the Bible is about love and grace. It's not cheap, but it's love and grace, and it's about touching and, and restoring and gentleness and touching and loving and restoring and kind and, and full of mercy and full of compassion and full of edification, full of sweetness, 
full of like when you hold a brand new baby. You know how when you hold a brand new baby and there's just a connection of love and you don't have to speak? You ladies know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's just pure, right? That's what he loves. He loves you that times a million. And that's what he's sharing with, with Peter right now. And he's going down this pit. He restores him. He goes down this. And, and may, may, maybe some of you right now think that, you know, I, the call to complete, the beginning of the story. You know, this is all about Jesus' story. This is all about Jesus' story, my brothers and sisters. The story comes to the conclusion of remembering, one, the call to complete is this. We're, go- we're all called to start, amen? But it's how we finish. And the Lord took and allowed Peter, Van, if you want to come on up, we'll do a closer, came to a point where, Van, you want to do a closer? Uh, came to a point in our lives where he submitted himself to get to a point that he messed up, thought he wasn't usable enough, went back to fishing, and then said, oh. how many of you are there sometimes you're walking? How many of you don't think that you can be used by God? It's okay to say that if you are. Good, none of you are. So every one of you is going to start serving more in the church, right? Amen. Every one of you is going to start serving more in children's ministry. Amen, right? Because that's what this is about, because that's what I wanted to see. Hands down, uh-oh. Charlie Brown's a clown. No, hands are up. We're going to start serving more, amen? This is about Jesus and about bringing people to him. It's not about what you did, guys. It's about using the things that are in that middle point, the stories of Peter, right? All the fa- Those aren't failures. Those are victories. How many of you guys have had things like that happen in your life? Bad stuff. Hey, hey, it's all part of God's glory, amen? I love you. I pray you were encouraged. Pass that card out. And don't come to church on 9 and 11. Come at Saturday or at 7. You're like, Donnie, you're being a jerk. I know. I'm sorry.